Today, you are going to get a front row seat to the incredible Sharks career of the legendary Andre Hubert. Andre, welcome back to Front Row Rugby. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for the invite. Looking forward to it. So, Andre, we know that you started out at a team called Orange Free State. Tell me, how did it come about that you joined Natal? I was still in the Free State back then, and I just finished my, my varsity career, my army career, and... Then I had to make a decision, like a career decision. Um, this year, am I going to go to Cape Town or to Durban? And so it was more career move. It wasn't actually a rugby move. And the decision was to come back to my old roots where I was born in Natal. And I decided to take up a job with a, with a, with a bank. Back then, it was called MBS Bank, and then it became NetBank. So I started there as a financial consultant and then eventually on the money market. And yeah, that's how I came down to Durban. So it was more career move to, to, to you know, to secure my 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 work experience with with a company going forward, and and then obviously playing part time rugby. And that's how, it's, how I ended up in Natal. I want to go into 1993 because you were playing for Natal as well as the Springboks in that year. But there was another player from the same region also playing for the national team, uh, also at fullback, Hugh Reese Edwards. And the two of you were actually competing for a fullback uh, slot in both teams. Talk to me about your rivalry with Hugh. Yeah, I think, you know, well, we had a rivalry when, you know, when uh, you played for Natal back then, I was playing for the Free State. So we had a lot of games against each other. And, uh, when I came down to Nutella, I think I, I, I was I think it was about three or four four to five years younger than Reed. And so the guys kind of say, listen here, we'd like to come and join the Nutella. And I said, yeah, okay, back then, you know, and I think Natal just got into in, into the Curry Cup A division. I thought it was a good opportunity for me, you know, to pursue obviously firstly to my, my, my career um, work-wise, and then at the same time, you know, it was a good good opportunity to pursue my career with uh, with Natal Rugby, which I always wanted to do, you know, because as a schoolboy, I never played any provincial rugby. Uh, and then, yeah, so I was lucky enough that they approached me and then I carried on. And then, and then also, Reese was moving out and he was getting, unfortunately, everybody does get a bit old, so I was just slotting in. And, yeah, I must say, Reese was very good in his, when he played for the Natal Rugby. I think he was very he had a very good right, strong boot on him, and I must have admired him as a, as, a, as a player when I counted him, well, when I played against him in freestyle days. So we had a big rivalry then. But when I became down to Nintel, we became good mates. 1993 was a really good season for you guys. You reached the Curry Cup final, but unfortunately you were defeated at Kings Park. How disappointing was that? You know, you can't win every Curry Cup. You know, I think you learn more out of your losses than your, your winnings, you know. So it... It was a tough one to swallow, and I think I was just on the bench of that game, and I think I only came on the last 10 minutes. Uh, but we lost that game, but I think if you go on from there onwards, you know, how we kind of learn out of that loss, and I think that loss actually helped us more in, in, in winning. I think after that, we managed to three more Curry Cup wins, you know. So, yeah, so it was a tough one to swallow, but, you know, it was the start of my career at Natal. Well, it's the first Curry Cup final I've ever been because unfortunately when I played freestyle days we were never fortunate to end up in a Curry Cup final so at least I had a good taste what a Curry Cup final was about. And speaking of finals the following year 1994 Natal reached the Super 10 final uh, it was a precursor to the Super 12 and then obviously Super Rugby after that how enjoyable was it to be part of a competition like that? Yeah I think you know that was like a next level so it was nice to competing with overseas um, teams you know, all the New Zealand teams, all the Australian teams, and 
And I must say, you know, after the 93 and then 94 came and then I think we had a very, very formidable uh, Natal team. If you can look at all our experience, you know, it was unbelievable. And uh, I think that kind of set the trend for the next 90s, you know, how strong our Natal team was. And it was, I think, and us also competing with overseas teams kind of measured us what a good team we were, you know. And, and I think, you know, I think the results kind of set it all uh, I think that year we played against Auckland in the final, in the Super 10 final. And if you can look at the amount of trials we scored, you know, and uh, I, I can just say it was a great honor to be part of that team, you know, because they made it so easy for us to score trials. And then it was just an unbelievable team. Andre, for our viewers that may have forgotten or may not be aware, rugby was obviously very much an amateur sport still in those days. How difficult was it to get leave in order to be able to go overseas and tour Australia and New Zealand for a couple of weeks? The bank was quite very lenient. And, you know, back then we obviously had our job from 8 to 5 and the training sessions was was from 7 to 9 o'clock. And I think when we started playing Super 10, then the, guy, then the game kind of became a bit semi-professional. So the pressure was on then. And then I, I resigned eventually in 1994 from the bank. And then I started my own business, which I still got now, which was a blessing that I started. But, you know, so I must say in the beginning, the, um, the bank was really lenient towards leave and all that. But then as we started touring overseas, you know, going to play Super 10 rugby because – we had to go overseas and I think back then you toured like for a month overseas to go and complete all your Super 10 games and then to take a month's leave and yeah, so it was a bit difficult so I kind of made up the decision this now. It's, it's maybe a good opportunity to pursue my rugby career now and at the same time also start my own business career which I have now. So it was a good decision back then. Absolutely. Let's move on to 1995, Andre. And last time I had you on Front Row Rugby, we discussed that wet semi-final at the Rugby World Cup. Speaking of wet matches at Kings Park, the 1995 Curry Cup final was quite a wet affair as well. But on that occasion, Natal obviously won the Curry Cup. Were there any similarities that you were feeling or experiencing at the time? You know, we had such a good team because I think we could play in both conditions. And I, and I think what, what helped us was when we toured in New Zealand, you know, the conditions were also weak there, you know. So I think we kind of learned out of that. And because when we played in the Super Team, we kind of more or less played in the June, July season, which was very, always very, very wet. And we just kind of used that kind of experience in the Carrico Final for, for 1995 in the wet conditions, you know. So... And I think that was a good team. We could play any kind of conditions, you know. I think that's a good sign of a good team, you know, who can adapt to any uh, conditions. So I think that, that kind of helped us to win that 1995 uh, Curry Cup. And what did it feel like winning the Curry Cup? Yeah, I know it was awesome. <laughs> you know, I think winning your Curry Cup is, is, you know, back then it was your premier uh, competition in South Africa. And the good thing about the Curry Cup back then is it was always full strength. So all the screen marks always played, you know. And so, so it was full strength. And uh, winning our first one, or my first one, was unbelievable. And it's something I'll always cherish. And uh, to be, uh, you know, it was a great honor to be part of that team. And we actually played against Provost, I believe, the jersey you wear, you know. So. <laughs> 
That's exactly right. So as you can tell, I wasn't uh, as happy as you were that day. Uh, but nevertheless, moving on into 1996, by that stage, the game had turned professional. It was a really good year for Natal as well, and they became the Sharks that year. Uh, just how much different were things for the players that year? After 1995, after we won the World Cup, there was quite a bit of issues. You remember Murdoch and then everybody wanted to become fully professional, but it was still very, very difficult, you know, because... And then there was an issue with Murdoch and uh, I can't remember that. That was he tried to, to, to come in and lost, yeah, to, to try and change the, the players. You know, but anyway, yeah, so 96 came and then we kind of were semi-fully professional and the game changed. So we put a bit more training times onto the field. So less time at the work or at the business and yeah, then it was, 96 was actually, I think, for me, it was a great year. And uh, I was voted as player for the year for South Africa. And again, then we ended up in the Curry Cup final against Transvaal back then. And uh, yeah, I managed to score two tries in that game. And I still remember the one where James, when I did a chip over, I can't remember somebody's head, and I gathered the ball again. And as I dotted down the ball and under the post, James came up to say, yes, why, did you, uh, why, didn't I, why didn't you pass to me? I was, I was about five or six years older than James. And I said, listen, James, you must keep up with the old buddies, you know, to, <laughs> to score tries. So it was just a joke between us. And uh, he laughed at me and said, oh, well done. <laughs> I remember that clearly. Uh, it was a great moment, actually, and uh, you guys winning the Curry Cup for the second year in a row. Um, and let's stay on that topic, because you'll remember well, Andre, uh, it was the week before the semifinals uh, when the Springbok team was announced for the end of year tour and Francois Pinot had been dropped from the box squad. And we saw Transvaal put in an incredible performance in their semifinals straight after that uh, announcement against um, the Blue Bulls, or I think they were still called uh, Northern Transvaal. How wary were you guys of facing Transvaal then in the final, given uh, what had happened with Pinar? Transvaal had a very good team, and then uh, I think you were right. They played in the, in the finals of that of the Super Ten back then, and uh, and after obviously obviously France had been dropped from the team, and the, obviously the squad came out. Uh, I think they were very very motivated, and we actually had to go play them in. In, in Joburg, you know, and but I think if you go and look at the record of, of Natal always playing in Joburg, for some reason, we're always playing a very, very good game there. And uh, I don't know if it was just a free-flowing kind of game because that's the approach we had. They try to keep it tight. And if you go and look at our Sharks team, we could play any brand of rugby. We could play it tight and play it wide. And up to halftime, the game was still very, very tight. And then I think everything started happening in the, in the second half. Then we started spreading the ball a bit opportunities came and then we just took it and I think those two quick tries we scored I kind of nailed Transvaal and it was a hard one to come back from so I think unexpectedly I think everybody expected Transvaal to win but you know on the day any team can win because there's opportunity for both teams and yeah so any team can win on the day. And it was indeed a great moment for Natal. As I say um, earlier in this interview, they had already become the Sharks. Um, and let's talk a little bit about that, um, because it was sort of during the Super 12 that that all happened. But let's speak about the Super 12 first. How much different was that compared to the Super 10, would you say? I would say it's still the same. It's just that all the teams changed a bit, all the names changes, because from Natal, then it became the Sharks, and then in, uh, Transvaal became the Lions. And... 
it was still the same, but I think just more teams were added, you know, to the competition and it meant you had to stay longer overseas, you're on a tour, you know, and uh, I think the difficult thing for South African teams to go and play abroad was that you had to go and do it for a month to cover your, you know, your, your schedule. So for us, it was more difficult there because you had to tour longer. I think it was easier for the Australians and for New Zealanders to come here because they only had to do two weeks and then to cover their two games, you know, so... So we had to cover four games, we had to do it every month. So I think that was the most difficult part. So the more teams that was added to the competition, the longer you had to go and spend overseas. And I think that's where the South Africans battled a bit. Although, you know, the, the Sharks was always a good touring team. For some reason, they've always kind of did well on playing abroad and then at least won most probably 70% of the games. So, so they always had a very good track record of touring well. And as we were saying, Natal became the Sharks during that period, Andre. How exciting was it as a player to be part of that? Because today it's recognized as one of the great marketing campaigns. Yeah, I must say the Sharks have built up a very, very good brand and uh, awesome to see. And if you see the following, well, back then there wasn't so much Twitter as, as the social media is around now. But it started growing more and more. And I think the Sharks built up an awesome brand back then. I think even still to this day, it's, 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 it's one of the strongest rugby brands around. And the yacht was, you know, playing under the different name. And so we just realized it was more professional now, you know. And uh, so I think that was the attitude we had. And uh, we just had to pre- prepare more professionally. And back then, you know, we were spending more time on the on King's Park. So it, was, so it became like kind of a job for us, you know. And then... At night, we'll have dinners together after the training session. So that's when you realize, listen, rugby is becoming a job. Now, it's not a, it's not a sport anymore. It's actually a career going forward. And you guys did very well in that Super 12, going all the way to the final where you were beaten by the Auckland Blues. How strong was that side? Yeah, they were very, very strong. If you think of it, Lomo and Videri, two awesome wings. Uh, I think we managed to win... Um, God, uh, Jason Little and their team, uh, I can't remember who the, anyway, so, but we managed to beat them in the semifinals in Australia and then we went over to go and play against Auckland Blues and, uh, yeah, you know, when you play abroad, especially that, and you have to travel because those days we didn't actually have much resting time or to adapt to, you know, to jet lag and all that. I think that was a kind of a bit of a, a difficult one. Because the first half, I think we were, it was the game was still very, very close. And then the game, like the last 20 minutes, I think we ran out of gas. And that's where the Auckland Blues kind of um, gave us a good thumping. But they were a very, very good team. If you can look at it, how many All Blacks were part of that team. And uh, I can honestly say they were a very, very good team and it was, it was very difficult to beat in Auckland. Hey, if you're enjoying this video, why not consider becoming a patron? I'll put the link on the screen as well as in the description box and a QR code on the screen for you as well. There will be great benefits for members. Let's get back to the interview. Andre, let's come back to the Curry Cup. Uh, As we mentioned, 95-96 back-to-back victories. As a player, would you say that one was better than the other or is it not fair to make that kind of comparison? No, I don't say, you know, when you come to a Carica final, you know, you, it's, it's a Carica final is a Carica final, you know, so you approach it as it is. And I think they were both the same. Although the one as at that, well, the one was at home, obviously, I think when you play more at home, it's more pressure on you 
to win the Karaka final because everybody expects you to win it, when especially at home. And the 96 one, I think it was a bit, bit more relaxing one. I think we were a bit more on the mark. Uh, because I think the pressure was on, on, on the Lions back then because it, it was at home and they were the favourites. So all those kind of factors do count in the Karika final and luckily they went both our ways. And as you said a little bit earlier, Natal and the Sharks, probably the team of the 90s in South African rugby. Ian McIntosh was the man who made it all happen. Talk to me about him as a coach and what was it about him that was so special? Yeah, I can only say, I think he was the best coach I've ever worked with. Um, you know, I've worked with many coaches. I think i worked with seven Springbok coaches in total. And I worked with Ian McGeech and overseas coaches and everybody. And I can honestly say that Mac was an unbelievable coach. He understood the game. And I think if you look at him now, how the All Blacks play their, their bat and they play very much flat rugby and I think Mac was the guy who initiated the flat run of the fluff onto onto the backline, taking the ball very flat. He started that, and even if you look at All Blacks now, they're playing that kind of pattern. So they, he was an unbelievable coach, and and people don't understand the heart he put into it. He was, you know, everybody saw his fiery eyes when he was on TV watching the watching his team playing, and he was very very passionate for the game, and uh, but he understood the game very very well, and. And he always told me when I came back, well, when I joined the Sharks and from Free State, I always wanted to run the ball because I like to run the ball. And he kind of taught me, just be patient because if you're going to run every ball, you know, you're going to become exhausted. And then, and he taught me how to be patient and then, you know, take the opportunities. When the opportunity then you've got to take it. And so you just got to be patient in the game at the moment. Well, back then. And that's one thing he taught me is to be patient, but when opportunities there, you got to grab it with both hands. I, in fact, had Ian McIntosh on this show as well. I believe it was the last interview he gave before he passed away. So a real privilege. And you and Mac in 1999 in the Curry Cup final, that was actually your farewell to Kings Park, Andre. How disappointing was it to lose that match? Well, it, it, it was very disappointing losing the game, but I think it was a highlight to end up in a Carica final again for me and Gary, and uh, it was also Gary's last game. But I think the reason why we lost that game is because uh, Nick Mallet uh, had a Springbok tour at the end of the year, and I think uh, we lost our whole tight five, you know, so we had to adapt because it wasn't the same tight five we played the whole year through Carica rugby. And so... Virtually, our whole tight five weren't allowed to play because they were going to go on the NDA tour. But still, we still stayed in the game with the, it was against the Lions. But, you know, that's how things work, you know. One moment we win it, so I think it was just payback time. So the Lions came and beat us in our own territory, which was very sad to lose. But I think we still ended up on a high note for myself, Mac, and for Gary to be in the Carrico final. And... Uh, I think that was a great way of ending my short career, to at least to be in a Carica final. Andre, who was your toughest opponent? You know, fullback don't have opponents. You know, we play against all kind of guys. You know, well, if you look at a fullback, you play against a flower, you play against uh, centers and all that. But if you look at a fly, uh, fullback, you always play against the flower. And uh, I think that kind of helped me with my positional play. I think the toughest guy to play against was Nas Buerta because he could kick with both feet. And when I played in my freestyle days, I must have played at least 90, 90 games against Nas. And, you know, him always be a good, strong back. 
always on the front foot. So I think the, he kind of helped me with my positional play because at the end of the day, I started reading his mind and I think that's what a fullback should do. It's like read the flower's mind and uh, he taught me a lot and I think he was the toughest opponent that I ever played against because I had to feel these kicking balls everywhere. In the beginning, though, I was always out of position, but then eventually I managed to read his game and know where he's going to kick in and that kind of helped me going forward to be a, a good positional player at, as, as a fullback. Andre, last time I had you on Front Row Rugby, you told me an hilarious story about how you guys gave Nick Mallet sleeping tablets on a Springbok tour. Is there a particularly funny moment that you can share with us from your time with the Sharks? Yeah, you know, I think uh, a funny moment, shame with the late Mac. I don't know if, uh, you know, like um, this was in 94 and we were then touring with um, um, the Springboks touring in New Zealand. And it was just after the first test I was dropped uh, for Theo Friesberg and then I was on the bench for the second test. And Mac always had this special shampoo flowing over, uh, you know. And me and Kabos that morning, before the game, he, uh, this parcel was dropped off at the hotel reception. And so by luck we were standing there. So the guy said, listen, can, can we please deliver this to Mr. Ian McIntosh? So we asked what it is. So he said, no, it's some special shampoo from South Africa uh, that um, his wife sent him. I said, okay, no, cool. So Kabos and I thought, listen, yeah, what a great moment before a big test in New Zealand, you know. So we went and bought some pink dye and we put it into Max uh, shampoo. Now, those days, the games was always about 3 o'clock and we always got together as a team at about 11 o'clock and, and we all had to go in our number ones, our jackets and you know, we, uh, we call our number ones our jacket and tie with our grey longs, and that's how we arrived at the game. So, but before that, we always had a team meeting in the team room. And so, Gabos and I was sitting there. Now, we start thinking, yes, was this a clever idea to put some pink dye into Mac Shampoo? Because imagine him arriving there in his green jacket and pink hair. And we were sitting, and as Mac walked through the door, we still saw he had his silver foxy hair. And with relief, Cabos and I half ourselves said, shoot, thank goodness. Mac didn't walk in there with his pink hair. And then afterwards, we actually, uh, it was always, I was always inquisitive to say, listen, Mac, how did you find the pink shampoo? You know, well, why didn't you use it? He said, no, you could see that somebody did tamper with it and there was a bit of pink dye in the shampoo, so he never used it. So I think, thank goodness to this day, he never... Um, Use it, otherwise I think Kabosa myself would have been on an early flight back to South Africa. <laughs> so that that was quite a funny moment at the time, but then I'm glad it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> that is indeed hilarious. I think it would have been great to see Mac with uh, with a different look in his hair. Uh, Andre, you did allude to it a little bit earlier, but uh, just tell us, uh, elaborate a little bit. What are you up to these days? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I've got a business called 3C Technology. And as I said, you know, I started back in 1994. We obviously major in office automation, telecommunication and CCTV. So we've been around a long time now. And I must say back then, luckily I started back then. So it was something to fall back onto. So that's what I keep myself busy with. I've got staff of about 30 people working for me. and But, you know, you know, our life after rugby is, is still great, you know, so it's nice to come to work and interact with customers and with my staff and then, yeah, and then be involved on a daily basis in the business. So it's very, very nice 
it's refreshing actually. So it keeps you busy. And and then once a week, I'm trying to play golf or fish. So that's my hobbies. Sounds good to me. Andre, let me say it was lovely having you on Front Row Rugby again. An absolute pleasure to listen to some of those old stories. And I really hope we can have you on again in the future. Cheers, Peter. Bye.